would you react if your church was focused on helping people in need and then city officials kept getting in the way and then, without warning, the electricity is shut off? I'm Stuart Shepard, and this is First Liberty Live. Thank you for being part of this project, and thank you for liking and sharing these videos with your friends. If you find them interesting, they will too, and uh, we just want to say thank you in advance for being such an important part of this. Ryan Gardner is an attorney here at First Liberty Institute. Hi, Ryan. Hey. We're going to talk about a church in Tennessee today. First, tell me about the congregation, where they are, and the kind of outreach that they were doing there. Absolutely. So when talking about this church, we got to start with the couple that ministers it, and that's Dwayne and Shauna Ta uh, Taylor. Yeah. They have an incredible life story on their own. They are former drug addicts who, by finding Christ, were able to escape the trappings of that drug addiction. And after they did so, they both felt called to go into ministry to help show others the way out of addiction as well. And so about 10 years ago, they started this church in Westmoreland, Tennessee, which is about an hour outside of Nashville or so. Yeah. And it began as a recovery church where probably 90% of the people that attend are trying to escape drug and alcohol addiction as well. And then around 2021, maybe early 2022, Dwayne had a vision to take this a step further, to go from not just ministering to them in the church setting, but to actually inviting people into the church to house them and basically help people get on back on their feet who have had a, a rough start in, in life. And so that's how the ministry of the Father's House came out of this church. And this is the building right next to the church building. This is the picture of it right here. Exactly. It's, it's nondescript. It's, it's, it's out in the country. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a part of the church. They're all one in the same. And it, the idea is to house men who are trying to es escape drug addictions and they put them through a program, they help them get back on their feet, get a job, get driver's license, basic things that you and I take for granted that yeah. those who are struggling may not have and may have never had. Even so much as getting them a bank account with money in it is a big deal for these guys, but they help care for all these physical needs. But while they're helping them do that and also work through uh, living a drug-free life, they also are caring for their souls. They really care about the whole person and everything that they do is in accordance with Christianity and, and teaching those beliefs to these men. And an important aspect of this is to get them off the streets, to get them out of the world that they were in and into a sheltered place, a place where they're safe and can hopefully uh, get cleaned up and get out of that life that they were in. Exactly. I mean, the first resident they ever housed was living on the streets, and he even said that he was eating out of dumpsters. He literally had nothing, and that really tugged at, at Dwayne's heart, and he felt a calling that he... If he could help people, he wanted to, and, and that's why they started this ministry. Let's talk about how the city got engaged in this. What's going on with the city officials? It, from what I understand, at first they said everything's great, love what you're doing, and then suddenly things change. That's a good summary. So when they initially started this whole process, they wanted to do everything right and according to the codes as they were supposed to. So they approached city officials, said, this is our vision, and they made multiple multiple requests asking, do we need any, any licenses? Do we need any permits? Is there anything that we need? And over and over again, they were told no. And so they started operating their ministry in the summer of 2022, about June or so. And then suddenly, after operating and thinking that everything was fine, they get a cease and desist letter from the city in August telling them to shut down. Any hint why? 
at the the letter itself didn't give much of a clue, but when they had a meeting with city officials later, it turned out that the the city was alleging some violations of the fire code, and the city was trying to force them to put in a sprinkler system and a firewall, stuff that would cost well over $80,000. And as a small country church with a very small budget, that kind of expense would just be devastating. It is something that they could never get on their own. Yeah. Uh, and, and then the lights went out. Let's talk about what happened there. There's some aspects of this that aren't quite clear, but essentially they had to abandon the building because they had no power. In the short term, yes. So. After that first cease and desist letter, we got involved and we sent the city a letter back explaining why their demands were violating our clients' religious liberty. Yeah. And we were in active discussions with the city about resolving this whole dispute. And part of that entailed the state being brought on to do a safety inspection of the building as well. After that inspection, the, the state declared that the, the place was safe for habitation but unbeknownst to us, at some point in the interim while we were awaiting that state report of the fire ins inspection, yeah. an electrical report came to the power company that, that was supplying electricity to our client. And based on that electrical report, the power company misunderstood what the, state, the state's position was on, all, on this matter. And without warning or notice, they just shut the power off completely. Which is problematic for so many reasons, because they can't hold services. But also, they had a resident who was living in this building at that time. What, where did he end up? Well, exactly. It, it halted their ability to hold religious services, and they're housing a guy, and he had nowhere else to go. And so, sadly, where they ended up having to put him was in a rural hotel, which was a very location that this resident used to take drugs at and where illicit drug use was still happening. So he went from trying to escape addiction to be throwing right back in the midst of it during this emergency. So there's so much here to fix. What's First Liberty doing to try to set this right? What, how are we involved in this and what are we aimed at? Absolutely, so as soon as we discovered that all this happened, we reached out to the power company and tried to convince them that they made a mistake. We had even officials from the state, the state of Tennessee contact this power company to try to, to explain what was going on they refused to turn back on the lights huh. without basically they wanted us to pay them money to turn the lights back on for a mistake that they made in the first place Yikes. and given this emergency what we did was we hopped on a plane we went down to tennessee and we filed a lawsuit against the power company and the moment we filed that lawsuit we also filed a an emergency motion to get the lights turned back on and that's exactly what the court did for us all right so what's the status of it right now where are we with the case well, we have now entered into an agreed order with the power company where the lights are going to stay on through the duration of the uh, this lawsuit. And yeah. we're basically, we're now working with the power company to try to resolve the matter entirely. But the real battle then is with the city and the requirements that they're trying to force onto this congregation after saying they didn't have to do it. And the congregation trying to do the right thing got the answers they thought they needed. I, this sounds like a dumb question, but it's an important one. What does victory look like in this? How do we know when we've won? What victory looks like in this case is to let the Taylors operate this ministry in rural communities across our country they're just being devastated by illicit drug use and it's destroying families, it's destroying lives, and they are trying to bring light 
into their corner of the world by having this ministry that cares not only for these people's physical needs, but for their souls also. And so that's what they want to do. They care about fire safety. They want to do. They want their building to be safe too. Yeah. But they realize that these people are more in more danger if they're on the streets than if they are if they're under their care. All right. Anything else you want to share before I let you go? Absolutely. So a really cool story that came out of this that just reminds us why we do what we do here at First Liberty is the very night after the power was turned on for the church, they held a religious service. And at that religious service, there was a young man, maybe nine years old. His mom had been in and out of, of addiction over the years. And because of that, he's been in and out of the foster care system. So obviously, this young man had, had a very difficult life. And he had been attending services for a while, but been very standoffish and not really engaged at all. Yeah. But that night, something changed. And suddenly, there was not only this beautiful moment of reconciliation with his mom, but beyond that, he ended up giving his life to Christ that very night that we had the power turned back on. That's fantastic. So that was a pretty powerful reminder of the impact that First Liberty has by helping people. That's such a part of the story of the work that we do. I mean, we talk about the cases that we win and the places we go and, and, and the, the pushback that we give. But often we don't get to see what the congregations, what the organizations get to do because we stepped in and the good things that happen after that. Absolutely. All right. Ryan, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. It's good talking to you. Absolutely. And thank you for being part of this. If you care about churches across America that want to push back against uh, city governments or county governments or whomever when they're asking too much and pushing a little too hard, uh, you know as well as we do that most congregations, especially in smaller communities, don't have the resources, don't have the knowledge to push back well. And that's why it's important for First Liberty to be around, to, to, be, to come alongside them and to help push back against those government entities and try to set things right uh, using the, the legal powers that we have as citizens of the United States. It's part of what we have as rights as citizens. If you'd like to be part of that, may I invite you to share with our work here. If you look on the FirstLibertyLive.com webpage, at the very top there's a, a donate button, a give button. Just click on that. It's easy. It just takes a few minutes. And I'll just say thank you in advance from all of us here at First Liberty Institute. Oh, and, and by the way, because we're coming up on our fiscal year end, we have one more thing you want to know about, and that is we currently have a $300,000 challenge grant that multiplies the impact of your gift. So there's never a better time to give than right now. First Liberty is fighting for what matters most.